Our text today is in Genesis, chapter number 11, as we begin a new series for the fall season. This series, we hope, will lead us right up to Thanksgiving, and we'll be looking at the life of a man named Abraham, beginning today at the beginning of that story in Genesis, chapter number 11, for our text today, as we flip around a little bit and pick up the story of what happened with Abraham as we begin his story today. The other day I was in Batavia and I told my wife I would stop and pick up supper at Arby's. And as I was waiting in line at the drive-thru, I saw a handwritten sign posted outside of Arby's that said something like this, we are short-handed, so you may have to wait for your order and please be patient. So I thought, no problem, I can be patient, I know how. So I gave my order to the young lady whose voice came over the intercom, and she read it back to me wrong. So being patient, I corrected her, waited until it was my turn at the window. Now, first, they took my money. They start with that, don't they? <laughs> and then they handed me a bag and said, thank you. And I said, well, I think... Uh, you forgot my drinks. So they went to get drinks, and I thought, I'll just check in the bag. And when I looked in the bag, there was only one order in the bag. I had given them two orders, one for me and one for my wife. And being a patient person, <laughs> I thought, if it was my order that was missing, I could just go home and eat cereal for supper. But I can't go home and say to my wife, I got my order, but you didn't get yours, so you'll have to eat cereal. I couldn't say that. So I decided that I would patiently tell the young girl that I only had half of my order. So I said, I'm missing one of my orders, and I told her what was missing. And she said, in an impatient voice, well... Do you want that? <laughs> I said, well, yes, I'd like the rest of my order, please. And she angrily stomped off, picked up the rest of my order, shoved it into another girl's hands and pointed to me out the window. And the other girl handed my order out the window and walked away. <laughs> Well, see, the whole moral of the story is sometimes halfway just won't do, right? It just won't do. You can't have halfway. In our text today, we see another situation where halfway just won't do. Now, as we approach the book of Genesis, we find it's absolutely full of good lessons about the human condition, and about life in general. And often in Genesis, we read about the creation of the world and the fall of man, and then we find a lot of genealogies in the first ten chapters of Genesis. And if the list of names bores you, and don't worry too much about the names... Just count the numbers. The numbers are important. 
So we start with God creating Adam and Eve, putting them in a beautiful garden with only one rule to follow. Don't eat of the tree in the middle of the garden. You can eat everything else. There's apples and there's bananas. There's oranges and there's peaches. There's bushes full of raspberries and blueberries, melons that grow on the ground, strawberry plants, and on and on, a list of delicious fruits and vegetables, all you could ever want. But in spite of that, Adam and Eve rebelled and ate that forbidden fruit. And sin then entered into the world. When sin entered, it came full bore. Not halfway, it came full bore. Mankind became evil, and the world was full of violence, is how the Bible describes it. And the record is that all of man's thoughts were continuously evil all the time. And finally, it came to a point where there was only one man left in the whole world that believed in God. Noah was the last man on earth that believed in God. And so from Adam to Noah, if we count it, was ten generations. From the creation of man by God, it took only ten generations until the entire world rebelled against God. With the exception of one man, Noah. And so God sent a flood, and the entire population was wiped out, and Noah and his family started over. And then we come to our text today in Genesis chapter 11. The human population is joined together on a wide plain, and they begin to build a great city. We find the record of it in Genesis chapter number 11. And I start reading with you at verse number 4. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach to the heaven, and let us make a name lest we be scattered abroad on the face of the whole earth. So industrious and hardworking, they build a city and a tower. But in the very building of the tower was this idea, we don't need God. We can build a tower all the way up to heaven. We can do whatever we want. And so God responded to their arrogance in verse 5. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. They have all one language, and this they begin to do. Now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down. And there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth, and they left off to build this city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad on the face of the earth. The idea was to build a society without God. And they were in control and they could do anything they wanted. So God simply gave them all different languages. So in their confusion, they stopped building the tower 
that would become known as Babel, later Babylon. It couldn't continue. And chapter 11 of Genesis begins another genealogy. Oh boy. So if you were to count nine generations, you come to the ninth one from Noah, and the ninth generation is in verse 24 of chapter 11. And Nahor lived nine and twenty years and begot Terah. And Terah is the ninth generation from Noah. Now, we have some information about Terah. We know something about him. Here's what the Bible says, and I'm reading from Joshua 24. And Joshua said to the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. Terah, nine generations from Noah and from the flood, was an idol worshiper. He worshipped the sun, he worshipped the moon, and he made idols and they called him his gods. Nine generations from Noah, nine generations from a flood that was sent in judgment on the earth by God, nine generations we find them worshipping idols and not worshipping God. Now Genesis 11 again, verse 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begot Lot. So we meet the 10th generation again. A man named Abram, who's later to be known as Abraham, raised in the house of Terah, the idol worshiper, 10 generations after the flood, and no one believes in God. So how long does it take for sin to take control? God's creation, Adam and Eve, God walking and talking with them every evening in the Garden of Eden, all forgotten in ten generations. And Noah and his ark, and God saved the human race and let them start over. And now ten generations later, man defies God again, tries to build a tower to heaven. God is forgotten, and once again, nobody believes in God except for one man, Abraham. How did he get to believe in God? Okay, we have this record in Genesis 11, Verse 31, Terah took Abram his son, Lot the son of Haran and his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. It was a place called Ur of the Chaldees. And in that country, the Tower of Babel had been built in defiance of God. There lived Terah, an idol worshiper, and his son Abram. That family decided to leave 
the country of idols, and go to Canaan. Why? Why did they decide to move? Well, something happened that made them decide to move. And I'm reading from Acts chapter 7. And he said, Men and brethren, fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Sharon and said to him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. Ten generations from Adam, God found one man who believed, and that was Noah. The last man who believed. Now ten generations after Noah's flood and his ark, God, it says, appears in his glory to Abram, Abraham. God's first appearance to Abraham when he was still in Mesopotamia or Ur of the Chaldees. It's the same place. And he had a vision of God's glory. God appeared to him in splendor, and power. And then Abraham rejected his father's idols, and he believed in that God, a God of power and a God of splendor, infinitely superior to all the idols his father had ever worshipped. And Abraham must have told his father, Terah, I've seen a real God, not your fake made-up ones, great and powerful God. And he appeared to me, and he spoke to me, and he said to me, leave your home, leave behind the idol worshipers and the rebellious people, and go to a place that I'm going to show you, a land called Canaan. But we read something different. Terah... And his family left Ur the Chaldees, it says to go to Canaan, but they stopped and they lived in a place called Haran. It was true, they packed their bags, and they said, we're leaving, and they waved goodbye to friends and family, and off they went. They left home as instructed by God. They went on their journey, and they came to Haran, and they stopped. And that, my friends, is not what God told them to do. Now, if you were to look on a map, you would see Ur of the Chaldees, Mesopotamia, way up here. And then, way down here, you'd see the land of Canaan, what we call Israel now. And there's a distance, considerable distance between them. And right about halfway... On the banks of a river is a place called Haran. Terah and his son Abram stopped there and stayed there. How long? We can only guess. Some people say they were there for five years. Some people say longer. We don't really know. All we know about Haran is two things that come to us from history. It was a trading place on a river, a place of business. And second thing we know about Haran is that they worshiped the moon god in Haran. Now, we don't know why they stopped. Maybe Terah was too old to go on. After all, he's over 200 years old when he dies. Maybe Terah wanted to be in Haran. What do we know? <clears throat> what we do know is that Terah 
that longtime idol worshiper died in Haran. And now, the one man who believes in God in the whole world, Abram, Terah's son, is living in Haran. So, what happened there? Nothing. Not a thing. Nothing happened in here. Why? Because that's not where he's supposed to be. So, Abraham, let's try it again. <laughs> Thank God, let's try it again. Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, Unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless him that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Here's one of God's promises to Abraham, that he came to speak to him while he was in Haran. He says this, I will bless you, first of all, and secondly, I will make you a blessing. Now, my friends, let me ask you this. Do you want God to bless you? <laughs> In the dictionary, the word bless means to have divine favor and to make you happy. Or in other words, to have God look down on you with favor and do things that will make you happy. Who doesn't want that, right? Everybody wants that. <clears throat> but to be a blessing is to spread that happiness that you have to others and to pass on God's favor to others by teaching them to believe and to trust in God. Now, I certainly want to be blessed. I will say I'd love to be blessed. But I really want to be a blessing to others. That's what I really want. But you can't have either of those things if you only go halfway. If you stop and stay in Heron, there is no blessing for you there. Abraham's blessing was based on his departure from home. Leave Ur the Chaldees. Not enough. Leave Haran. That's not enough either. Go to Canaan. That's where the blessing can be found. When God calls a person, he never calls them halfway. Never. How often have I seen people start to walk with God and never finish? Begin a life with God, but abandon it along the way, stopping halfway. If you think about that, are there people who hinder you? Did Tara hinder Abraham? I think he did. I think he did. So what did God say? 
Right in verse 1, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I show thee. There's something, my friends, about following God. That if someone hinders you, if they keep you from committing yourself to God, you may have to leave them behind. God wants to know, will you go all the way? Are you determined to be a blessing to others? If so, you can't stop halfway. And if someone hinders your progress, then leave them behind. You say, well, that's kind of hard. Listen to what Jesus said. This is how he put it. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Abraham was raised in a house where they worshipped idols. Now it was a big step for him to stir himself up and say these idols are no good and leave them behind. But God required more than that from Abraham. So God says to Abraham, I will bless you, but Abraham, do you want more? He says, oh yes, I'd like more, okay. I will make you a blessing. Abraham, do you want more? Well, my question, says Abraham, is there more than that? Oh, yes. If there is, then I want it. And God said to Abraham, I will bless every family in this whole world through you. That's quite a thing to say. Now, myself, I love to see families in church. I just love it. And I think God loves whole families and wants to bless whole families. And Abraham listens to God's promise. He says, yes, bless me. And yes, make me a blessing to others. And yes, let me bless every family in this whole world. I want to live my life like that, says Abraham. Yes, God, that's what I want. Then Abraham, if that's what you want, get up and get out of here and go to Canaan. Time is wasting and Haran is only halfway there. Go! The blessing waits for you, not here, but there. My friends, halfway doesn't get it done. At Arby's, halfway doesn't get it done. And with God, you can't go halfway. So get up and go all the way. Now, my friends, Abraham's story is especially important. And it's needed today because he lived in a world that resisted God universally. The builders of the Tower of Babel defied God. 
and said, we can do anything we want. We can build a tower all the way up into heaven. We live today, my friends, in a time where there is the same type of arrogance against God. People believe they can control the climate. They used to call it global warming, but a few bad winters cooled that idea off. Look, God sends a hurricane from the coast of Africa, and it crashes at 150 miles an hour into the coast of Louisiana, runs all the way to New York City, and floods the subway. Floods are moving across homes in Tennessee. Fires are raging in the West. And they think they can control the climate? How much proof do they need that they are helpless in the face of God? There's an arrogance that says we can do anything we want. We can build a tower to heaven. We don't need God. And we will control the climate. Oh, my friends, they have forgotten Jesus of Nazareth was crucified on a cross, declared to be dead and buried in a tomb. And on the third day, up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. And in a powerful display, he ascended up to heaven and is seated on the right hand of God. We need to stand up and say, we are followers of Jesus Christ. He is all you need and halfway doesn't get it done. Don't. Don't stop halfway, my friends. The blessing lies out there where God leads us, and this world needs us to be a blessing to them. And most of all, families need what we have a Savior, powerful and glorious and unforgettable. Ten generations can't make me forget about Jesus Christ. Twenty generations. A hundred generations can't make me forget about the blessings he sent when he sent his son to rescue us and save us and bless our families. And so let's agree we will not stay in Ur the Chaldees. We will not stay in Haran. We are bound for the promised land and we do not accept halfway. And when someone asks, do you want the whole thing? (laughs) We say, yes, God, we won't stop halfway. We want it all. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of Abraham. As it comes to us to ask us right in the beginning, how much do you want? How far will you go? Will you do what God calls you to do? We pray that you will help us not to be like those who stand in defiance of God, but who say it is God all in all and we promise not to forget and no number of generations can turn our backs on Jesus Christ. So help us, we pray, to trust in you and to live for you with all our heart. We ask your help for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Closing, I'd like you to turn your hymn book, if you will, to hymn number 364. Standing as we sing, 364, Onward Christian Soldiers. Standing as we sing, 364, Onward Christian Soldiers.
page 364. that you would help us with our hearts and our minds to be ready, ready not to just go halfway, but ready to go all the way with you. Help us to see what it is not only to be blessed by you, but to be a blessing to others. Help us to take that in our hearts and be ready to serve you. Help our hearts not to be 
uh, held back, Lord, in any way. Help us not to be discouraged, but know that we are with an army marching ahead. And we pray and we know that we would always know that your promises cannot fail. So we thank you, and although our time seems so difficult sometimes to live in, give us the strength each day to fight as we ought to fight, to stand as we ought to stand, to do what we are here to do, to remember why we live in this life, and that our God is the greatest God uh, that is ever in heaven and earth and all around, Lord. You are in charge of all things, and help us to always remember we ask for your protection, especially as we go from this place throughout the world. Bring us back ready, Lord, to stand for you. In your name.